want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart Hello everyone, welcome back to Uncanny Trek's coverage of Star Trek Picard, the final season Today we are talking about both episode 7 and episode 8 That would be Dominion from the 30th of March and Surrender from, what day did that air Matt? I can't find it uh, anyway, <laughs> you're asking the sixth of April. There you 6th go. Sixth of April. So we are talking Dominion and Surrender. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? Bob, what, what about Cowboy Show? Copenhagen Cowboy. Oh, don't worry, Matt. I'm going to make you record a full episode about Copenhagen Cowboy episode four and five uh, oh, next shit. week. Shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what you get for going on vacation and having a wife outside editing this podcast. I'll have to give you my, uh, my my story about watching Copenhagen Cowboy in the darkness. <laughs> we'll, but we'll save that for next week. Yeah, All jo- right. jo- join us next week when we talk Copenhagen Cowboy episodes four and five. So let's talk Dominion, though, Bob. So in the A-plot, the Titan crew bamboozled the Shrike crew, only to find themselves bamboozled. Who could have foreseen that, Matt? Who could have foreseen that? And then in the B-plot, something's up with Jack Crusher. Maybe he's telepathic. Maybe he's a changeling. Maybe there's something weird about Picard's Eriumotic syndrome. Maybe he's a Pa Wraith. Maybe he's a Borg. Who knows? Who knows? And then in the C-plot, Rafi and Worf are AWOL. Yes, Matt. So do you remember the Battle of Chintaka? I really don't, Bob, but my memory is shit, so... So yeah, in the opening of this episode, they're hiding out in the wreckage of the Battle of Chintaka, which is the climactic battle of season six of DS9. Okay, Chintaka. See, that that word just left me. I didn't know what that was. Yeah, if I remember right, although I may not, it's like where they they sort of turn the war and are invading Dominion slash Cardassian territory at that point. It was the turn of the war. Muskets abound. (laughs) On that note, do you resent Picard for like usurping all of DS9's territory? What with the changelings and this battle, and you know maybe it's going to turn out that Jack Crusher is secretly a pie wraith. I really do not, because I appreciate them trying to bring in components from you know all the Trek that we watched, except for Enterprise. So, appreciate that. What have they brought in from Enterprise exactly? Nothing. That's what I'm saying. I'm glad they haven't brought anything from Enterprise. <laughs> Fair, fair. That's the point well, I'm making, Bob. I mean, they, we've I, had Voyager, DS9, Next Gen. We've had OG. I mean, like... Well, the, I mean, the the NX-01 was at the Starfleet Museum. We just didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, Enterprise fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, well, I mean, this may upset you, but another theory about uh, what the deal with Jack is is that he's possessed by the shadowy figure from the temporal Cold War in, in, in Star Trek Enterprise that was never explained. That's going to suck because that means yeah. people will have to go back and watch Enterprise to figure out that, yeah. what's going on there. I mean, I'm not really excited about any of these Jack Crusher theories, but that would truly be the worst of all of them. Well, don't worry, Bob. We'll, we'll break down the Jack Crusher theories towards the end of the podcast after we get through seven and eight because by the end of eight, you're kind of we have some more clues. I feel like we know the same like at the start of episode seven that we know the end of episode eight. The only thing we've learned is that the show is impressive at delaying giving us information. <laughs> it's very, very good at that. 
Yeah, man. So were you happy to see uh, Captain Tuvok? I was like, oh, look, there's Tim Russ. How about that? Pretty cool. Yeah, it's good to see him. Good to see him. Looking old, but still looking good. And, you know, kind of kind of grim that it's not actually uh, Tuvok. It's actually, uh, uh, you know, a changeling impersonating yeah, so him. Where's, and so where's Captain Tuvok at? Where's the real one? Presumably he and Riker have both been broken off screen from torture, which is, you know, a chilling touch. <laughs> it's very chilling. I heard people bitching that uh, Tuvok should have aged differently if he's a Vulcan. He should not be Those so people old. Should shut up. They should shut <laughs> up. I just like throwing it out there to let you give you the idea of what people actually talk about. Like, what do they want? Do they want them to recast the role? Do they want them to do a bad makeup job? Do they want them to do bad CGI? Like, what do these people actually want? I, I don't know, Bob. I'm, I'm not one of these people. I'm just letting you know that they exist. Yeah, but I'm going to get angry at you like you are one of these people. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume they want they wanted someone that's going to look, I guess, less aged than the Tuvok that we saw. Because I don't I don't know what Tim Russell looks like in without the makeup on as far as age wise now. I mean, are they so they want to take food out of Tim Russ and his children's mouths? Okay, they, that's they great. may have aged that's him great. too much. Maybe they aged him too much. They didn't age him enough. I don't know. Bro. I don't I don't think we do. We even actually know Tuvok's age on Voyager. He could be an old Vulcan for all we know. Actually, he probably is because he was on he was on the Excelsior and Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, he's on the Excelsior with Sulu, so he's probably really old. Maybe these people need to shut the fuck up, like you said before. Yeah, yeah. Even if he were a young Vulcan and he should look younger, who cares? Yeah. <sighs> so, Matt, I, I will say, you know, it, this is often said that, and you know, I think it's because the Picard has a serialized plot and because it's a very visually dark show. It usually never really feels like Next Generation, you know, setting aside all value judgments, it just doesn't. But I will say, in this episode, when you have a staff meeting between Picard, Jordy, and Bev, and then the next episode where, spoilers, you have a staff meeting with everybody, that's about the closest the show is ever going to get to a TNG feel, because that's what Next Generation was. It was staff meetings. A bunch of staff meetings. It's a fun yeah. show to watch. You would think uh, you and your job now would hate it, but you still like it. We love watching staff meetings. <laughs> We TV. love it, folks. We love it. <laughs> no, but I want to go back to this darkness piece, Bob. Why is this show so damn dark? I mean, why is everything on TV so damn dark? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like weird. I, like, you can't see anything. I guess it looks serious. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is it that or is it just the HD? Like, the HD is what's making it look this way. Maybe we're just used to seeing things in, like, SD and it looks I mean, lighter. I, I don't know. I could speculate, but since I know I know nothing, like my speculation would be worthless. Oh, you should just make shit up, Bob, and just act like you know what you're talking about. I do that all the time. <laughs> shocking, shocking! How dare you betray our listeners' trust like that, Matt? <laughs> so on the on the subject of aging, I was kind of hoping that uh, time has been very cruel to you, which is what you know pseudo data says to Picard was just data being neutral and you know his neutrality being cutting. But no, no. It turns out it was lore. Last episode that we reviewed, Bob, I made a mistake and said that the other two minds were apparently in there. I don't know where I got that from. It's no, just lore and just data. No, no. B4 and Lau's minds aren't in there, but they did specifically say that oh. they uploaded stuff from B4 and Lau and, and at least one of the Soongs. So that's yeah, okay. all in there. So I'm so conf I'm just confused because they acted like it was just a data and lore and there was a partition between them. They well, kept using the, it's, the term partition. <laughs> I mean, it's such a such a computer term to use. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. Is it? I don't. I don't think yes, it is. No, no, no. In this case, a partition is referring to like you know the space on which the hard drive and memory is built within a computer. Uh, okay. So a, so removing a partition would completely remove the 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 piece that was built on the computer. Yeah, but basically they do have the memory. Like they have all of those people's memories, but somehow only Laura and Data's personalities. Okay, there's the separation. They don't have the personalities of the other two per se. Yeah, why that would be, especially since these two episodes go to such length to establish that memories are a personality, I, I, who knows? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not particularly bothered by it. I just want to bring that up because last episode, I got very confused in this episode when they said there were just two, but I had mentioned last episode there were like four or five. But ju ju just for clarity's sake, Bob, just uh -huh. for clarity's sake here. Uh -huh. Lore was dismantled at the end of like a next generation episode, right? Yeah, the two parter that bridged season six and season seven. It was called Descent. It's the one where Lore hooks up with the Borg, or at least like with hooks up with a rogue Borg faction, I think. Data died in Star Trek Nemesis the film, which I recently yes. watched or yes. rewatched, and it was terrible. Yes. And like the worst death ever. And I can't believe that's I mean that that was like a last minute thing, had to have been. Like, yes. we need to add some more to this. Let's just throw data and let him, like, die. He got the Green Arrow death, Bob. Is what What's he got. the Green Arrow death? You know how, like, Green Arrow died, like, stopping the plane from exploding with Superman right in front of him or some shit? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it was a great story, but I thought the way he died was pretty clever because it's, like, referencing Dark Knight Returns where he doesn't have uh, one of his arms and so, like, the, the suspense in the situation is, like, Green Arrow going to die, or is he just going to lose an arm? Oh, well, see, I completely missed that part of the story, Bob. I only got my version of it from the one panel in Zero Hour, so my bad. And you are, you are, well, it, that's, that's a post-Zero Hour thing. Son of a bitch. So what did I see? Maybe a, maybe a, a flashback and quiver. I mean, spoilers for Zero Hour, he kills... Hal Jordan. <laughs> Spoilers for this obscure 19, yeah. 1990s crossover event by DC Comics. Yeah. Well, and also the fact the fact that Superman is there when he dies is you know also supposed to reference the fact that in Dark Knight Returns, Green Arrow hates Superman, right? Jeez, Bob. See, I missed all of this part. I just I just was basing it on the soul I mean, panel. I you're saw. not wrong. You're not wrong that it's a it's. Not a good story, from what I remember. In yeah. fairness to Chuck Dixon, I haven't reread it in years, but I, I, I think there's at least reasons that that particular scene uh, is the way it is. Okay, I think my main reference is just coming from reading Kevin Smith's Quiver, where there's like one, which panel is also a terrible comic. Yeah, it's pretty bad after you've grown up a little bit. Yes, but yes. and so then Data dies again at the end of season one of Picard although it's not a physical death it's just like a backup personality or something I don't remember the explanation but it's like yeah. a backup personality of of data has been preserved and has a death wish and wants to die which I was particularly annoyed like I hated that scene back when season one was airing and then I also hated how they referenced it in this episode as being like years ago and it's like man it was two years ago yeah what the heck's up with that so data's died twice now Yes. One heroic death, one kind of like... One euthanasia death. Cop-out death kind of thing, yeah. and now he's back alive again. He's not going to live very long, because his dialogue in previous episodes established, the you know, his body is, is very aged, which also just like, you know, obviously I get that they, Brett Spiner doesn't want to come back as Data if he has to do the makeup, and I, I respect that, but like, 
it's just such a weird explanation. Why, why not just have him in a human body? Why, why go all the, why to go to all the trouble of, Oh, we're going to make the most advanced Android body ever, but it's only going to live for like 20 more years tops. Bob sense have a right to die. I mean, <laughs> they want to live their lives and die just like everyone else. Bob, why are you, you want to take away synth rights? I mean, this has always been something I've never liked about Data's character is his obsession with being human, which I've always thought a very kind of limiting feature of the character. And also it's like just very much too self-flattering for us humans. Should Data like in many ways is different and better than us. Shouldn't he just embrace that? Yeah. Part of me is like, I want to be more like Data. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, hey. Yeah, I mean, it's just that, I mean, that is something Star Trek falls into sometimes. It's just, it has a very, like, self-flattering portrait of what it means to be human. Well, we all know the real reason for this, Bob. It's just the Brent Spiner's, yeah, yeah. the makeup, and the de-aging CGI. It's just expensive as hell, so they just... Yeah, no, and I, I respect that. I respect yeah. that. <laughs> respect Brent Spiner for wanting to stay with Star Trek, you know, not wanting to run off and do other things. Wanting to stick with the programming. What's up with Jack Crusher's telepathy? Okay, Bob, I don't have a clue... And especially in episode seven, I, I think he can get in people's heads and I control them or something. Is that what he can do? Is that like yeah, mind control? It, Is that what you're getting? It seems like a soft version of mind control. Like he can like nudge them to do specific things, but he can't like maybe fully control them or maybe, maybe with practice he could. Yeah. like It's like the force. What if this is how it brings Star Wars and Star Trek together? Yes. Jack, Jack Crusher is going to have a lightsaber duel with, uh, I, I don't know, so the Ahmed Best from The Mandalorian. There you hey, go. Hey, Bob, it just hit me. Jack Crusher, JC, babe. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's just recording the day after Easter. Technically yeah. on the he, federal Easter holiday Monday that I did not get off, so thank you very much. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty insulting that they call it a federal holiday, but you don't get it off. Federal Easter Monday on my calendar is what it says. So we have Captain Vadic going full Captain Hook. You know, I gotta say, I wasn't, I wasn't like a big fan of some of the Captain Vadic monologues these two episodes. Like there were good lines, but on the whole, it was maybe a little too much. Oh, I, I, I love Captain Vadic, Bob. I gotta disagree. I used to, but I don't know. I, I just felt like they made her monologue too long. They kind of lost the thread on it, if you know what I mean. It's the whole point, Bob. It's the whole point of the character. So did you initially think that Jordy was unable to beam Jack and Crash out of the trap because they were boning and they couldn't get, like, separate locks on them? Yes. Yeah, they, they were doing it. That would have been hot. What did you think about Captain Vatic becoming Dark Odo? Or being revealed as Dark Odo, I Yeah, I mean, say. I, I kind of thought it was cool. I mean, I gotta admit, just... Captain Vatic has been one of the better villains in Star Trek recently. You know, with last season's villain being primarily what, like, that was just Q. Was it Q? No. Who was the, who was the villain in season two? Was it the the ancestor of Soong, or was it someone else? I can I only vaguely remember. I mean, Shit, man. I feel like we just watched this, too. We just went and did, like, 100 podcast episodes of it. That was a year ago. Oh, it was? Well, I don't feel so bad then. I mean, really more than a year ago. Anyway, the other villains have not been that great. Even Strange New Worlds has had some... Yeah, the captain... The pirate captain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Strange New Worlds is going to bring Cybok back. I can feel it. I can feel Cybok it. Cybok will, will return. And that'll be great. <laughs> but Discovery's villains? No. I, I don't. Is there a. Ugh. Eh. I, I can't even remember the Discovery villains. 
Stacey uh, Abrams. I'm, <laughs> yeah, she's she's the true villain. I guess Lorca Lorca is basically a villain. Yeah, yeah, Lorca. He's he's pretty memorable. I'm uh, just saying, out of all those villains, I think she's been the best. So. Oh yeah, and she's definitely more like on the model of like the mo- the movie villains like Khan and General Chang and Christopher Plummer in Star Trek Three. You know. Yeah, this this whole nostalgia trip. I feel like it could have been a decent movie. You know, had they gone this route, that route. Yeah, I don't feel. All things considered, this doesn't. This season doesn't feel too padded, especially compared to seasons one and two. But yeah, probably could have been a good movie. Yeah, the other thing too, Bob, with this is that like I keep wanting to say this looks a lot more like the movies, but then I'm thinking, okay, well, production values have improved since two thousand two. We're talking, you know, twenty one years ago. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, maybe that's why things just look better or look different, or um, it's just you know, production values themselves. Maybe we're getting old and our eyes are just not as good, Matt. <laughs> I guess my last thought for the this episode, uh, Dominion, was I do sort of like the idea that it sort of hints at that our new kind of Chad Jordy, you know, Jordy who's a father, Jordy who's confident. It's kind of a product of the death of Data. I think that's kind of an interesting idea. I just felt like some of the Jordy's dialogue was kind of hinting at that. Yeah, and, and you can also kind of tell that uh, you know Data's death really did affect him a lot. Yeah, yeah, and like we really haven't seen him since uh, since Data died at the end of Nemesis. So yeah, right. Yeah. It, it's kind of interesting to think about uh, the change the changes in Jordy's character, which also make him a more interesting character, kind of happening off screen. Unless you read the novel tie-ins. <laughs> All right, Matt. Shall we talk about episode eight, Surrender? In the A plot, Captain Vadic starts executing Titan Bridge crew until Jack Crusher surrenders. Then in the B plot, after Riker gives up information to stop the changelings from torturing Troy, then Riker and Troy rebond in their holding cell. And I really did enjoy Troy's joke to Riker that the Riker changeling was good in bed, bad at pizza. Yeah, that was a good joke, but it also implied she like had sex with the. Uh with the Riker changeling indeed which she then immediately diffuses the idea just in case just so the audience doesn't freak out and and, 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 you know says that she immediately knew it was not Riker but still kind of oh yeah I appreciate that especially since I just watched Nemesis with that awful like one scene oh yeah I forgot about that yeah that's bad that's bad yeah poor Troy so uh the comm officer that Vatic is threatening to kill is named Inzen Kova Esmer and they're Hellion, I guess is how you say that. It's a species we did see, like, maybe in, I think, season six of Next Generation. It's a murder mystery, I think, called a quill. And apparently they're, like, an em- empathetic species, I guess, kind of on the order of, like, the Deltons or the, you know, the Betazoids, but not telepathic. Oh, it was really sad because she was, like, crying at one point. They, they. <laughs> they were crying. God, it was really sad because they were crying at one point. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at their tears, but I yes, am. Yes, Bob, it was a single tear. And then I, we were we did lose uh, Lieutenant Teven to uh, the to the deadline that uh, Captain Hook, I mean uh, Captain Vatic, imposed. And I, you know, since Teven is dead, I'm going to continue to spread the fake news that she's half Vulcan, half Delton, because I think that's cool. Yeah, that was really cool when I came up with that. You're welcome. Oh, you came up with that? Yeah, Bob. Oh, you, okay. you want you want you want to know where you can hear about it? Uncanny tricks. <laughs> All right. I guess we're both spreading fake news. Go back and listen to part one. 
Or maybe part two. <laughs> maybe I have great ideas sometimes, Bob. We need it. We need to say because like sometimes implies like maybe half. We need like a quarter time. Like you have you have great ideas quarter time. Like one quarter, quarter of the time I have great ideas. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it doesn't imply the other seventy five percent are bad ideas or they're just there's like a mediocre, <laughs> really bad. Some are definitely bad. Others are just kind of they're just there. I would hesitate to even call them ideas. Really. Okay. They're just meh. They just exist. Yeah. It's probably like. You know, 50% man, 25% bad, 25% nice. Well, Bob, I'm going to tell you one bad idea I think they went with here is that they decided to uh, kill off some of these bridge crew, and they're not saving them for this legacy show we keep hearing about. So, have we actually heard... I know they were talking about doing a 7 of 9 spinoff, like, back during Season 1. Do we know anything else, for sure? Not much, but people are thinking they're going to set up the Titan, because everybody wants a show with Shaw as a captain. Yeah, and yeah. You could do legacy because there's all kinds of like characters could pop in and shit. And the, so they have they said they would call it legacy. Yeah, that's what I think it's called, Star Trek Legacy. Oh, that's a bad name. Yeah, it's kind of weird. We'll see. I, I'm not you, able to, you call you call it Star Trek Titan. I mean, obviously, <laughs> legacy lets you know that there might be characters that are you know already established characters might show up, Bob. I, they can still show up. I, but yeah, I, I do, I do hope they get. Uh, we do get the Shaw and Seven show. At, at this point, I want it so much. I'm, I'm just. I've convinced myself we won't get it to brace myself for disappointment. But that would, that would be cool. Speaking of arguable missteps that new Star Trek has made, is Riker and Troy both realizing that they hate the rural planet they live on? Kind of a jab at like where Star Trek Picard put them in season one. Absolutely, Bob. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were you happy to see uh, Worf uh, rescue uh, our embat- our embattered married couple? I was. He uh, he comes to the rescue and everything. Gives him a big old hug. Yeah, yeah. Somewhat against his will. I, I did enjoy the Worf line, uh, one's personal space is a right, Deanna. That was pretty fun. And I will say, you know, it's a little less hot now that they're older, but still, like, the Riker-Troy Worf group hug does you know, really raised the idea that I've long been pushing that, you know, they need to be in a menage a trois in the same way that Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Wolverine are. I read it as menage a Troy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but my question, Bob, here is if Klingons have two dicks, you know, that that's going to yes. play into that whole thing. Is it? A, yeah, Riker, Riker's going to have to step up his game. That's what that's <laughs> what we're saying. In a, in a couple of senses, he's going to have to take care of the other dick, and he's going to have to deal with that. <laughs> the, the other partner has two, and so his game needs to get a little better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Riker's got to up his game. You heard it from Bob. Um, speaking of upping game, I, I did enjoy uh, Picard's line to Jordy to prove that Picard was not a changeling was, uh, Jordy, your taste in wine is pedestrian at best. Yeah, apparently no one likes Picard's wine other than himself, so I don't I kind of want to order some though, Bob. You know, you can order it, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I, I'm not giving that money to Vike. Um, they're 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 doing good enough on their own. They don't need, they don't need that money from me. <laughs> they have a whole like set of like Star Trek alcohol, and you can get like all the like what's the brandy that they always talk about? Sorry and brandy. Sorry and brandy. I get sorry and brandy. Does do they get the bottleneck right though? That's the real question. I actually I think that was a big deal for that whole thing. So yes, I think they did do it. <laughs> And I, I presume you can get Romulan L and blood. Romulan L, yes, that's the other one. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, I'll have to pull this up. We'll have to get it. Maybe we can talk about it on the podcast, Bob. We could we could do a little drinking. Only if they send it complimentary to us as media. I'm not I'm not giving <laughs> Paramount money for mediocre branded alcohol. I want to write him an email like, hey guys, listen, Uncanny Trex really wants to say we write, but you can't just send it to one of us, you gotta send it to both of us. So we need yeah. two we need two kits. Yep, exactly. Yes. Exactly right. <laughs> so I, I was thinking about this. So there was a great wharf line later on. I've slaughtered countless enemies over the years and considered sending their heads to all of you, but I was advised that that was passive aggressive. That's kind of like wharf talking to the whole senior staff. Obviously, that's a pretty funny joke on its own, but is wharf being passive aggressive about Picard constantly sending them all, all Chateau Picard? Possibly so. Worf does drink for sure. So we well, do know that. old Worf does. I don't know if we know if new Worf. New Worf does. may not. I yeah. know old Worf does because old Worf got like wasted in uh, in Nemesis. And I could be wrong here though, but I feel like old Worf mostly drinks like on ceremonial occasions, like weddings and victories. But I don't feel like he's much of a like a casual drinker, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right on that. Because he likes he likes the prune juice. Guinan gets some on the prune juice at some point in the next gen. Yeah, I do know they used uh, Chateau Picard in Generations when Worf becomes a commander. Is that right? Yeah, when they're celebrating that. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because there's the whole thing with like they're on they're in yeah the, they break the bottle against uniforms. the ship. Yeah, and Data just shoves Beverly over the ship for you know movie theater laughs. Yes, it was hilarious back then. <laughs> <laughs> like that's how androids would probably act, act you know that's... when they have that fresh emotion ship so i will say that like data in a brightly lit mind space arguing with a lord voiceover was exactly what i feared they would do when they resurrected data again yeah but didn't you enjoy like all those little like uh nostalgic trinkets that data pulled out of thin air to represent his humanity bob did you like every one of those things What I really will say is that if I were Denise Crosby, I would be angry, man. Like, they bring back every other member of the main cast. Every other member. (laughs) They bring back Moriarty. They bring back Roe. They even bring back Spot, Matt. They bring back Spot. Do they bring back Tasha Yar? No. Do they bring back Denise Crosby's other big character, who's one of the few remaining next generation villains who's alive and they could use, who didn't really get a good like wrap up on the show, Sella. Do they bring back Sella? No. Bob, Tashiar died. People don't come back from the dead. But they wouldn't have to resurrect Sella, Matt. She's not dead. That's like them just giving us lore and not data. It's not the same. <laughs> it would have. It would have been fine. It would have been fine in both instances. Yeah, and so I want to go back like, to Spot, Bob. You know that's not the original Spot, right? Well, obviously, Matt. Cats don't live that long. <laughs> but just, it, fucking with, just fucking with you, Bob. <laughs> I was also, as long as we're criticizing Data, which I'm, I'm happy to spend all episode doing, yeah. uh, I was very annoyed that he uh, called Spot a simple creature. I, I feel like uh, Spot is more complex than Data, especially the new Data. Yeah, cats are like the true rulers, Bob. We live for them. So, Matt, did you enjoy that uh, Troy gets to enjoy Picard's naked corpse? Yeah, uh, Picard's uh, in great shape. I don't know what Patrick, if that's Patrick Stewart's legit body or they just CGI'd a body, but damn, like. It looked very similar to the thing he was floating in when they cured him of being Locutus and best of both worlds part. But although, granted, that was like upright and in this he was was horizontal, but still. Somebody's pointing out that they were uh, 
they were telling a story about how it's their daughter sort of watching Star Trek with them, and they watched Best of Both Worlds. And out of all the stuff that happens and goes down, the only question the little girl had was, why does Picard have a six-pack when he's Lacuna's Spark? <laughs> These are important questions. It's a good. It's actually a good question. Why does he have a six-pack? None of the other board do. He's designed specifically to interact with humanity. Yes, he's got to have that. <laughs> yeah, even in the 24th century map, humanity still responds to a six-pack. Wow. Nice. <laughs> you know what? That is actually, that that's a, that could actually work. You know, we go back and forth, I think, on the viability of cursing in Star Trek. Like, when Data says he's pissed off, I did not yeah. care for that. Yeah, that that was annoying and cringy. But when Vatic's final words are fucking solids, that was great. <laughs> Even that was my favorite line of the episode. Yeah. I didn't like a lot of Vatic's monologues in these in these two episodes, but that was that was amazing. Fucking solids. <laughs> I mean, just your words to go out on. I mean, come on, that's just perfect. She really is Dark Odo. Like you, you're you're right. Yeah, when you said that. Just yeah, she's Dark Odo, man. She got the same origin with the lab and the, the you know the cringy, not the cringy, but the you know the the evil, slightly sadistic scientist. Yeah. Yeah, I think she even took the persona of the scientist just like Odo did, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yes. The amb- the ambivalent uh, mad scientist father figure. <laughs> what if, Bob, hear me out, what if Odo was originally supposed to be like the bad guy here? I feel like that... I don't know when Rene Abrajone died, but I feel like it was long enough ago that that probably was not, not the idea. Also, despite what they said at the beginning of the show... I do not believe they had season three plotted when they started <laughs> season one. I continue to not believe that. So, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all, I think everyone's in agreement with that, Bob. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just want to, I just want to keep stressing it because I'm annoyed at being lied to about that. <laughs> yeah, I would love for somebody to sit down though and show me a, a, a through line for all three seasons. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, yeah, the closest they got to an outline was they played Mad Libs and then just divided the Mad Libs <laughs> up into three seasons. I, you know, I, I said this already, but I'll emphasize it again. I'm still really impressed that this episode didn't solve the mystery of Jack, but it wasn't as tedious as episode seven was, and I wasn't as annoyed that it didn't solve the mystery of Jack. And I guess going by the cliffhanger, I guess they will finally solve the mystery of Jack early in episode nine. Bob, I am annoyed because this is like the exact same ending as the previous episodes. It's like, it's <laughs> oh, I get, legit, it. I get it. The Matt. exact same tease. <laughs> There's... You're saying you're saying I'm credulous. You're saying I'm gullible. Yeah. I get it. I hear you. I hear I I hear your insults. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I I think we may finally figure out in episode nine. Hopefully, Troy can can clarify whatever it is inside his brain using her. I mean, I think what it comes Mind down scanning. to, Matt, is I think Deanna Troy is a lot more capable than I think old John Luke Picard is. I think that's what it comes down to. I I have faith that Deanna Troy can get answers that old John Luke Picard and old Blazin' Bev can't get to. Here's my thing, though. She is apparently supposed to be afraid of whatever it is. Whatever it is is kind of scary. That's what I mean, that's what we know. It's something maybe she recognizes so she knows it's bad. It, it sort of implies that familiar it doesn't absolutely have to mean it but it does sort of imply it people are thinking it could be the borg the idea is that the thing that was missing from picard then they know they went in and stole a bunch of stuff yeah possibly a borg implant 
so what you're saying is that uh, Picard's semen have Borg nanites. That's the theory. Yes, but also that the implant is what he can can be used to control other things. Is the idea that he has a dormant implant? Is that something people are assuming is there, or was that something that was actually mentioned at some point? I believe at one point it's mentioned that like certain parts of his body have been taken, like from the the dead corpse. Like they didn't take the they had removed parts of his implants, or parts of his body, or parts of his brain. Sorry, parts of his brain. Oh, okay, yeah. I either missed that or it's it, fine. I just don't remember it. Yeah, it's fine, Bob. It's just important to everything, you know, just to keep up with. It. But that wouldn't explain like what's up with Jack necessarily. So like, I, I don't know. I just find the idea that like, Oh yeah, actually they didn't clear Picard of Borg implants and he had Borg nanites in his semen. And now Jack has them. I find that really stupid. Like and, that's dumb. But, but why would he, so that's the other thing though too. Why would he give Jack these weird ass powers? Yeah. What's the, like, I don't get that just cause you have Borg semen. Yeah. And I guess the, the power wraith, like maybe makes a little more sense with the telepathy and the red eyes. You know, it's more DS9 mythos, so it it doesn't really seem very clean. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I yeah I agree with that because I I had like forgotten somewhat about the pirates, which just surprises me that would end up being with the villains. That would be a really good it'd be a really good Easter egg for people who watch DS9. But you know, this is yeah. more of a next gen sequel. Sequel, yeah, yeah. And then what, what are the other explanations that it's just some weird complication of his, of Picard's brain disease? Yeah. Or there's also, it doesn't seem like Jack's a changeling. Cause it seems like if Jack were a changeling, that would have been revealed while Vatic was still alive because it would have had more, you would, that would be more emotional punch for like her revealing it, you know? And then some people are saying too, and this is another reason I went back and watched Nemesis. It could possibly tie in somehow with Shenzhen because remember he on his head he kept getting those veins and all that like stuff and it was like seeping and it was green and red kind of the same colors we're seeing like with this stuff. Uh, okay. So whatever issue, whatever thing he had going on, which was like to make him grow older faster, they uh, it, it also gave him this disease that killed him. So part of me is like thinking, okay, what if this is just like another clone of Picard? Maybe. I guess the the other two theories I've seen thrown about are which are not very serious, I don't think. But there's the the connection to the temporal cold war in Enterprise, which seems unlikely, and then the, some connection to the Red Angel in Star Trek Discovery season two, which also seems deeply unlikely. My favorite is whatever that ghost entity thing was from that one episode that everybody knows about Beverly, where she fucks a ghost. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the the, the Scottish ghost that got yeah. with his grandmother. <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. You could not that get more nostalgic great. than that shit right there. See? That's that, that, that That's better than any of the possibilities we've floated. And yeah. then I can't remember, did Q die at the end of last season? Yeah, basically. I mean, this doesn't seem very Q or Q continuum related, but no. I guess that that would be the other big, like, if it's not the Borg and it's not lore, and then, you know, Q is the other big, like, next-gen villain. Yeah, I really can't think of anyone else it could be at this point. Somebody said something about possibly it being the Paw Rates and then Gold Ducat. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and I was like, eh, okay. I could, I could do that. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> 
All right, Matt. So for your character of the week from these two episodes, who who was the character of the week? Got to go with Vatic Bob. All right, I can I can see that. Even though I didn't like the uh, monologues, I can see that. And oh, her death disappoint. though, her death, yeah. just yeah. beautiful. T one thousand, it was awesome. <laughs> and well, Matt, I'm going to disappoint you and go with a fucking solid for my character of the week, <laughs> and that would uh, be Troy. It was uh, nice to see her not just be on a comm channel, and you know she's got a snarkier sense of humor. I feel like now than she did on the original show, which is all to the good. Yeah, it was good to see Troy doing Troy stuff. Thank you for coming back, Marina Sirtis. Yes. And then I think for episode of the week, we're both in agreement, right, Matt? Surrender. Yeah, it just makes much more progress than Dominion. So, And even though it was frustrating in some ways, it was much less frustrating than, than Dominion. Completely agree. All right. So it looks like to wrap up, we'll be back next week with episode nine as, and then also possibly uh, Copenhagen Cowboy episodes four and five. And then we'll uh, we'll wrap off with uh, the last episode of Picard and the last episode of Copenhagen Cowboy the following week. Does that sound good, Matt? Sounds fantastic, Bob. All right. Well, this has been Uncanny Tracks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.